Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with a true education visionary whose accomplishments range from founding the Green Dot Public School System, the Rock the Vote campaign, to currently the Future is Now Schools, where he is the founder, chairman, and CEO. Welcome to the EdCast, Steve Barr. Hey, how are you? In a March 25th press release, you say the future is now for a new public school model as well as a new unionism. What is this model, and I'm going to begin things with a really bad pun this morning, compared to other reform movements, how do the futures now schools raise the bar? <laughs> Thank you. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, we have this amazing opportunity right now. I think a lot of people, you know, are looking um, at a lot of things that are going on in this country in a, God, oh my God, what are we gonna do kind of state? And we're losing probably a million teachers. Most of them have already left. Um, it's not the most sought after profession. Um, even everybody you know, patronizes and talks about it. And also, um, when pulling back from Green Dot after doing that for 12 years, we do an amazing job of primarily executing against a very similar system um, that we're trying to reform, meaning that we are contingent upon a workforce that may or may not be there, uh, meaning a teacher for every 20, 25 kids. And at the same time, we have a whole generation of kids who come in and out of the um, schools every day, power down, and then power up when they leave the, uh, the, 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 the educational space. So I'm trying to figure out, can you redefine um, what it is to be a teacher? Can you pay them more? And can you implement technology in a hybrid model? And then thirdly, can you um, create an apprentice teacher program to complement that? So you have master teachers at school sites, less of them, but then they're also um, mentoring and educating over two years people coming into the profession. So you're not sticking 22-year-old kids in front of classrooms with, without a lot of development. And then also, thirdly, you're using technology because, you know, when I'm sure you researched me when I came here and um, you know, I research you everywhere I go. I don't go and find a room somewhere where somebody kind of lectures to me about it. I do some work first and then it whets my appetite and I come in somewhat uh, educated about the topic and then I come in and get it enhanced by uh, professionals. And that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. So some of that work on developing the model obviously looks at where other places do things best. The Finland model has the master teacher aspect to it. How did you develop this model? Well, I mean, it's in development. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a, um, a lot of people talk about Finland. I mean, just talk about anything. I mean, I learned how to, when I learned how to create charter schools, you know, 12, 13 years ago, and not coming from education, um, I didn't go to School of Ed. Um, there, it, was a, it was a specialty um, product that wasn't being taught at that time. Um, I, you know, I read some books. But what I ended up doing is I just thought I'm going to go find the best people at it, and I'm going to try to drain as much wisdom as I can from them. And I think that's kind of how most people learn, I mean, most effective people. And then, yes, okay, you can take some classes as well, which is really important. Um, but, um, you know, I think most things in uh, American life, uh, you learn by being apprenticed or mentored um, and then augmenting it with uh, the education as well. You know, a lot of people think that charter schools and unions are like oil and vinegar. And mm -hmm. we just had Randy Weingarten on the show last week. And how have you found that that partnership doesn't seem to be as bad as, bad as a lot of people think it is. Well, I think when you pull back and you look at it, and I, I brought a fresh eye into this scene. I wasn't an educator. Definitely have had ex positive experiences in unions, which is, which is not, uh, not the norm um, in our generation. But um, I think that most, most schools that do well, charter schools or public schools or private schools, start with the idea of how do I improve work conditions so I get the best people. And I think that's what unions should be asking. And I think uh, 
So I looked at, you know, KIPP and different groups like that, and they pay better, and they have a vision, and it seems like a place to be, and it's exciting, and they, and they train their teachers. Well, I think generationally, that's what most teachers that are going into uh, this workforce are looking for. Um, and so there was an opportunity to, to not only, um, you know, use some of that in uh, creating the Green Dot model, but also in reforming unions. I mean, people that go into teaching now don't go in for 22 years the way they used to. Now, you know, in 22 years, they may change careers three or four or five times. And so I thought there was an, uh, an opportunity to remake unions. So we created a union that matched in a contract that matched our um, vision of our schools, which is what we are accountable first to the, to the families we serve. Um, we have the highest expectations. We all come to work every day so we can get better. Um, and, and we are accountable. And, um, you know, that, that was an easy sell for the teachers. And it's been actually not a, not a, a tough sell to the unions as well. You have a lot of experience building really high-performing schools in Los Angeles, and one in the Bronx, I believe. Uh, what, what do you think are the challenges for scaling up and out beyond Southern California? Well, I think, you know, and again, what I'm trying to tackle with, with Finn schools is, uh, is, 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 are there a million teachers who are going to replace a million teachers? And are there half a million teachers? Um, or is 100,000 to a quarter million what we should be focusing on? And focusing on the top third of the graduates of this university, for example, um, and elevating the profession. And I think right now, what a lot of people are hand wringing, this is the best opportunity right now because we're, you know, we're not. We can remake public education, not and not just do what, you know. And I feel like I did that sometimes when I was at Green Dot, which is, um, you know, continually do the same thing over and over again. Which you you become what you're trying to reform, which are school districts and charter schools should be the incubators of new ideas. And so, you know, I'm trying to incubate a new idea. Well, do you think the charter school movement, um, education reform, would be where it is today without public-private partnerships? I know Green Dot got a lot of money from, from Gates and corporate philanthropy. I if that funding structure just sort of went out the window, is the sustainability of charter schools possible? Um, that's a great question. I don't know if uh, public schools are a sustainable opportunity right now. So I think I'd clump them all together. And obviously, when you're starting an outside organization to reform something, you um, need philanthropy. Um, you shouldn't, though. And I think, that's, I think that's probably what the Gates Foundation, Broad Foundation, other folks who funded us. This should be a public entity. Um, but you've got to create some proof points. Now that those proof points have been created that people in poverty, people working fa families, um, people of color can learn just as well as anybody else um, on the other side of these towns. Um, we should be scaling that up and not um, relying um, primarily on philanthropy. This should be a, a, a public call to action. I think the president's done it um, as well as anybody in my lifetime, and, um, and other politicians and other leaders should be taking note. That this should not be uh, a, a game of uh, philanthropy. It should be a game of public will. Speaking about the sort of public call to action, there's a lot of voices in education reform right now. There's Michelle Rhee, Arnie Duncan, even President Obama. Um, a lot of them are political. Who should be shepherding this movement? Is there one leader, and then who do you look up to? Well, um, there's a big difference right now, and I hope there's a transition. There's a big difference between there's two ways of looking at politics. There's, there's campaigning, where you get to say outrageous things and get people's attention. And then there's the other one, which is more complicated and should be the one we focus most on, which is governing, meaning you actually get, you find the 80% agreement that most of us have of the different tribes, meaning unions, charter reform groups, uh, academia, thought leaders, um, some of you have mentioned, 
and 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 gather that common interest to do the best. I mean, you can get a, I can get a lot of attention blaming unions or blaming this group or blaming that group, and people will fund me to do it. But am I helping kids? Um, I would say, who am I looking up to right now? I, there's a there's a generation of superintendents. If you would have told me 12 years ago that my you know that after 12 years of doing this that my superintendents would be the ones I look up to, but we have an extraordinary superintendent in Los Angeles named John Dacey. I just spent um, um, uh, two days with Dr. Alonzo in Baltimore. Um, I'm fascinated by these folks who can come into these broken systems and are very consistent with their points of view, but also get everybody, and they build trust in the different groups um, and move the thing forward. I'm totally fascinated by it. And I'm also fascinated by the, the idea that, um, in a negative way, I'm fascinated by it. It's great that there's that people look up to um, some of us in the education um, reform movement and want to emulate, you know, building a great charter school system. That's fantastic, but um, I'd like to see that swi swi um, switch over to a fascination with those who govern um, consistently, which are superintendents. I think that's a, I'm kind of interested in that because I'm in awe of people that can make that work. At the end of the day, sort of, some might call you an ed reformer, a serial social entrepreneur, not organizationally, but philosophically. What's your title on a Steve Barr business card? I'm an organizer and a politician, and I, I wear both of those uh, proudly. I mean, organizer meaning that, you know, I'm speaking at the business school today here at Harvard, and they're doing, they did a case study on it. It's an extraordinary case study that came out in 2005, 2006. And the, they asked me, who was, you know, the same question you asked me. I mean, what, what do you base your, your pat, you know, your future work on, your past work, and what, what, what influenced you the most? And I said the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the Civil Rights Movement, a group of upstarts, restless group, younger, um, asked the bigger questions, but would go in the neighborhoods of need where the greatest need was, and they would organize with the notion that find a common value and then organize leaders and then eventually organize yourself out of a job. And that, that to me, I think, is uh, you know, the, the work of an organizer. Steve Barr, LA Weekly 2006 interview, and pardon my and your French. Where are these shitty teachers going to go? Where are these lifetime benefits going to go? What will happen to all of these groups protecting their interests and their jobs and their construction contracts? The political puzzle of this is really fascinating, but I have no doubt that within five years, you're going to see our impact, and it's going to be huge. 2011, five years later, how is the puzzle coming together? Well, first of all, you have a president who's made education a national issue, not just by words, but with cash and incentives. In Los Angeles, uh, we passed public school choice. Um, there is a mass movement in that city that now where the restlessness is being met by, by, uh, by providers. The district is changing radically. Um, I think Los Angeles is always, and California has always um, nationally been a place where trends start and move, move east. So there's this groundswell of happening. You know, I mean, and, and, and most interesting, everybody's talking about this issue. And, and, and um, on the bright side, they're finding solutions. Now we just need to scale it up. You know, I mean, I've, been, I've heard uh, Professor Kozel and Warren Buffett say the same thing, and I've said it a few times. If you really wanted to fix public education in this country, you can make private schools illegal. And the demand would be swift. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a sliding a beautiful university like this. But um, the point of it is, is we know what works. Now, how do you create the political will and how do you scale it up so all kids get a, a great education? Last 15 seconds of this show, 
you're an organizer, you've got thousands of people listening to you right now, what is your call to action to them? Um, you know, I had a very abusive relationship early in life for one week with a French lady. And she, um, she taught me two great things. One, she um, built some, I had to build some very thick skin to hang out with her. But she taught me a great French phrase, and it was the French say, do politics before it does you. And don't be afraid of politics. And fixing this issue is not an educational problem, it's a political problem. And we need to all get a lot more political and force change. Steve Barr, thank you so much for stopping by the show this morning, and uh, have a good rest of your day at Harvard. Thank you, Matt. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.